Come on in, y'all. Good morning. Welcome to Hour 2 of Rosie on the House. I'm here with my broadcast family, oldest son, Romy, here in studio with me off to my right. He's in control of all the buttons inside this room. They don't let me touch anything, smartly so. We've got our broadcast engineer, Mr. Gary D., making sure the satellites are beamed up in the right direction so they can all reach you wherever you are. Whether you're moving in a car or sitting at home listening to us, he's got you dialed in. And, of course, my sweet wife, Miss Jennifer, is on the phone to take your calls at one 767 4348 where we're here every Saturday morning to answer any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin as it relates to Arizona home ownership. And it's not to say we won't answer questions for homes in other regions. We have a lot of Arizona transplants that for some reason leave Arizona and they continue to listen to the show and they call us with dilemmas from Duluth, Minnesota, where it's minus four degrees. With a feel, Fur. with a feel like of negative twenty six. Ours is like a feel good of wonderful. And you and you left Maricopa County for that. <laughs> so why isn't it just negative twenty six? If that's what it feels like, then why didn't it? Then, then, <laughs> I don't know. Then that is what it is. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, 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 you know, I, I am not that familiar with feels like experience. I don't I think know. It, I, I don't know what that means. Well, I think it helps people feel like. Yeah, they're justified in being miserable. Yeah, this is really as cold as I think it is. Well, it was interesting because this hour we're going to talk about the natural aging of a neighborhood through Arizona. And I I landed here in the mid-1960s. And uh, the neighborhood I landed in is virtually unchanged. But then the neighborhood we moved into, which at the time was out on the edge of town in about 1969, it's now completely enveloped into uh, a complete residential build-out neighborhood. But uh, Zillow did a study. They always come out with a report on the top 10 most popular markets researched in 2023. And Arizona homeowners, I need you all to listen to me. This is very, very serious. Um, we are not listed as one of the top 10 markets researched on Zillow. That's a good thing. (laughs) That's a good thing, okay? The number one city in all of America researched on Zillow was Westchester, Pennsylvania. And my Weather Channel app right now tells me right now at this moment, it's 20 degrees with a feel like a five. Oh, I don't have enough warm clothes for that. What's in Westchester, Pennsylvania? <laughs> I thought I was looking up. Like, from. is it a suburb of Philly or? Oh, okay. All right. Well, well, look up this. Weathersfield, Connecticut, right now, is 16 degrees with a feel like mm. of one. We call that the Grand Canyon <laughs> during the winter. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. How about Stowe, Ohio? It's currently, at this moment, 11 degrees with a feel like of minus four. And these are, these are just three of the top ten 
And they're all Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Ohio, Connecticut, Ohio, Connecticut, New Hampshire. None in the Sun Belt. None in the Southwest. And what's the purpose of the list? Zillow's top 10 most popular markets of 2023. Serious? Yep. Okay. Well, how are we going to keep them off our list? Keep well, off. well we we've got to start a faux we've got to start a faux news station. Why not to move there? Everything here bites. The south, the, the let's see southwest. You, you get eaten. Sorrow. You there you go. You get eaten here. Thirteen rattlesnakes in Arizona alone. Varieties. We got lizards that'll spit blood out of their eyes at you. We even have bears that'll swim in your pool. Bears that'll swim in your pool. We have scorpions. Bobcats that'll jump your fence. And coyotes. Coyotes that will go after your little dog. That will go after your little dog. Coyotes look at your dogs as a meal. Oh. Oh, you don't want to do that. Black widows. Tarantulas. How about even your car? Gila monsters. Yeah, your the the you want something that bites? Sit on a 154-degree black leather seat. <laughs> we'll have to play off that feels like. Oh, yeah. You know, the outside yeah. air temperature is 115, but your car feels like 150. <laughs> you we, can't breathe. We, it's like, it's, yeah, it's a dryer, but it's like a blow dryer. We, ha- we have to start a campaign to moderate the, uh, the influx of people to Arizona. You can't even trim your vegetation in your yard without bleeding. <laughs> It's wonderful. <laughs> I I was blown away by these top ten most popular housing markets, and, and I'm I'm ecstatic about I, it. I love it. I think we should promote every one of them. You know what I wish those lists would do is what are the IP addresses that they're searching from? Like that one with Westchester, Pennsylvania. So that is west of Philadelphia. What looks like about forty miles. I would imagine. It's just everyone in Philadelphia trying to get out of the crime-ridden, <laughs> infested city has turned in. But they still have jobs that they have to come back and work for during the day. There you go. But they're trying to get out of the – move their family out of the, the, the crime area. Well, so you, where are those IP addresses you, that you, are searching Westchester from? I think you hit something here because I'm, I'm reading the study right now. Zillow surfers generally gravitated towards smaller cities in 2023. Only one of the top ten cities – has over 100,000 residents. Romy wants the rest of the story. So that would okay. that would qualify, Romy. I hate to tell you this, buddy, but Whitman, Arizona should be on that list. <laughs> it will be there soon. <laughs> Remember, we still got one interstate they're still constructing, that, I-11, it, in the next, I don't know, That's years. right. Mm-hmm. It's going to go right through Whitman. So if you're familiar with Westchester, Pennsylvania, Nashua, New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, Wethersfield, Connecticut, West Hartfield, Connecticut, Stowe, Ohio, Middletown, Connecticut, Twinsburg, Ohio, Newington, Connecticut, or Concord, New Hampshire, um, tell us what you know about that. I'm inviting the callers to share with us what you know about those top 10 markets, but we're here this hour to talk about aging neighborhoods in Arizona. So if you've been here a while, uh, like I say, I landed here in the 60s. We landed right at 56th Street in Osborne, just down the street from Ingleside Elementary School where I started school. That neighborhood has changed very little. Uh, Then we moved out kind of by Mockingbird and Cheney, which was on the very outskirts of town where we had horses and motorcycles and Camelback Country Club was my personal motocross track. Um, 
Now, it, you know, it's not what it was when we moved there. What is your story about your neighborhood in Arizona? We, we reached out to a couple of our experts, uh, Vicki Gorman, our Rosie certified realtor who's with Realty Execs, uh, and, and she loved the article we wrote about what happens to a neighborhood as it gets older. And she talked about, you know, revitalizing is really, is really doing well because housing is in such a great demand here in Arizona. And um, a lot of people are in a position where they can cash in their equity right now and the rewards of their investment of being in that neighborhood for a long time. A lot of HOAs are updating. Uh, Scottsdale Ranch was the first one I was ever experienced with that actually went in there and changed many of their uh, agreed-upon, selected, specified colors and hardscape plans and exterior materials to let people go into those uh, master plan communities and start updating. I thought Scottsdale Ranch, that was an ingenious maneuver by them. Vicki talks about her criteria for, for buying that she's found with homeowners uh, in all of her experience. And number one, of course, it's always location. Number two, it's price. Number three, it's amenities of the neighborhood. And four, it's timing. And Vicki says, you know, invariably one of those four have to give in, in, in the purchase of the home. But that generally speaking, those four are the four that drive it. And we've seen neighborhoods uh, um, from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Sam Hughes down in Tucson, the Willow District, the Encano District, the historic districts all over downtown Phoenix, and they're the they're the the, the beautifully built architectural homes. And then we have the wave of the master plan stucco and tile roof things that got built in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. When do you decide to gauge a neighborhood historic or just tear it down? Well, and that's a very interesting thing. That I always wonder because when you were talking about the wave of those homes, architecture, are those ever going to be able to be listed as historic? I know it has to be 30 years old, or it might be 40 years old. I don't know. Before it qualifies for historic. Um, And I don't know if where it's at, but like Sunburst Farms, two great neighborhoods that were developed, one on about Greenway and 43rd Avenue and the other one about Cactus and 56th Street. Yeah, yeah. Same concept. Big lots. Acre and a quarter. Irrigated. You know, lots of opportunities, a lot of uh, livestock, you know, horse properties. You know, th- those are close uh, to being qualified for being able to get registered as historic neighborhoods. You know. And but, they're all gold mines. But, every, every one of those addresses yeah. are a gold mine. <laughs> but just go right outside the property line to where the next master plan that was built relatively at the same time, and you're like, it doesn't even look like a neighborhood that could be classified as, as historic. Yeah. Well, we're going to try and cover the topic, and we'd love your stories as you longtime Arizona residents could share with us about what's happened in your neighborhood. And we've reached out to two of our experts, and one, Vicki Gorman, the Rosie Certified Realtor with Realty Execs, and then the other expert is uh, architectural historian, uh, Don Ryden, who I've known for over 40 years, who's actually the architect of, of me and Jennifer's new remodeled home that we're getting ready to start. So here's Don's response. Vicki loved our article. Here's Don's response. Putting it fairly and kindly, not intended critically, 
I think the subject matter is so vast and driven by so many variables that it's not possible for a short article or a one-session radio discussion to adequately explore what happens to residents of mature neighborhoods. This is a very important yet uncomfortable topic to share with the public. Everyone will have an opinion and a story. He so so he wants like a six-week series on it. <laughs> and he and he would because he knows so much about the topic. But we're trying to cover it in one hour. Your your story, your history, your experience with aging neighborhoods right here in Arizona. We've got Tom on the line and other callers. There are open lines if you'd like to get in. one 767 We'll be back with callers and your questions right after this. In your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Say, who are the people in your neighborhood? The people that you meet. Today. Name as three of them. You look like the grocer, why don't you People in the neighborhood? Grocer? Name three neighbors. Right. <laughs> That's the challenge of the hour. And uh, we're, the topic is just, uh, you know, how neighborhoods age and the process of that. But we're also here for you, the Arizona homeowner, at one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Let's uh, see how we can help Tom and Mesa real quick. Good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning, Romy. Um, I I live in uh, uh, I've got a masonry home that was built in 1968. It's kind of an old neighborhood. I, I like it, and uh, but I, but I uh, my problem is. Uh, by the way, I can name more than three neighbors. Uh, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, um, but my I think I think my water consumption is a little higher than it, than than I'm using. I think I think I might have a leak between my water meter and my house. And I'm not sure what to do about it. I, I don't think I've got a slab leak. I hope I don't, but I, I don't think I do. Well, but, um, I need to have I need to have somebody come out and try to find it. Sure. And there's a lot of things you can do uh, individually to isolate a leak. Um, and if you suspect it's between the meter and your home, obviously, you know, a wet landscape spots, uh, taking a prod and walking around, testing for it, um, you know, shedding off the water to your home and see if the meter turns. Uh, that would tell you if uh, there's a problem. Right now. You'd have to make sure your landscape irrigation is shut off as well, too. So uh, you can shut off, isolate one and the other. So there's different things you can do. But uh, we do have a great partner. And you said you're in Mesa. He's actually in uh, their headquarters is in uh, Mesa, but they, they work all over. In fact, I just saw them in one of their trucks in Surprise uh, this week, Pinpoint leak detection and when they joined us two years ago they were only doing pools and spas but ian was developing his uh plumbing supply line and drain line uh, division and now does both pools landscapes and home so they'll come and identify where that leak is occurring and then obviously at that point we'll determine what kind of repair order we need where depending on where the leak is but pinpoint leak detection uh, they're in the plumbing and pool category at Rosie on the House. We didn't create a specific leak detection category just because, you know, <laughs> it, it you, you could create so many individual subcategories that somebody trying to find a specific category a, on our website, you know, would end up scrolling for hours. So we just put them in pools and in plumbing, uh, pinpoint leak detection and repair. So we appreciate the call when, you know, Follow up and let us know, was there in fact a leak or are you just using more water than you thought? And I'll tell you, 
we had a leak at one of our rental properties, and I went ahead and paid for the expanded study that he does on landscaping uh, irrigation valves as well. And in that study that he gave me, and it's a nice, really thorough report that he gives back to you for an incredibly great value, uh, we were able to identify a way that in modifying our sprinklers, we're gonna we're gonna save about twenty five thousand gallons a year out of three different valves. Nice. Oh, that's worth a lot. Yeah, that that by itself over the course of the year that's will pay a, for itself and what you're not you know spending for water. Pin pinpoint leak detection. He pinpointed twenty five thousand gallons we were over consuming, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job. So we but, do care about that. I know that's terrible. Well. Let's see if we can take uh, Russ real quick in Glendale with another plumbing issue. Russ, good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, my home is 60 years old, and my cast iron pipes are done. There's leaks, breaks, and puddles everywhere. I'm just wondering. Uh, I've looked into it, and there's three methods that seems to replace them. There's the traditional trench digging. Then there's uh, some trenchless pipe bursting and pipe lining methods. Uh, which method is best, and how would you find a good company to do this? Oh, boy, that is a loaded question. Do you have any other than servicing this old cast, 60-year-old cast iron drain line? Do you have any remodeling you want to do in the house at all? Yes, actually, there's some uh, uh, fixtures I need put in, like a couple showers, and there's an, another sink that needs to be put in. You know, So there's other plumbing fixtures mainly to, to be put in as well, and flooring as well. But I'm waiting and holding off on the flooring because I, I don't know where they're going to have to dig possibly. Right, yeah. You're, you're smart. Yeah. Russ, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a favor. I, I want you just to stay on hold. We're going to break for bottom of the hour news. Uh, this is a loaded question that I want to ask you about four or five more questions so that everyone will learn how to analyze. Do I retrench, replace? Do I do the busted pipe method? Do I do the relining method? I'm going to talk you through all the options, uh, but it's going to be in the next segment. And there's so many technologies. You know, one option may not be uh, universal. You know, it might work trenching for you. Whereas your neighbor's house, for whatever reason, you know, the, the underground pull-through might be a better solution. So it's not always a black and white. All right, Russ and Glendale, still with us on the line. If you're just joining the conversation, he has plumbing drain lines that need to be replaced. They've aged out, and he's wondering what process, what style... What material would we recommend? And we're talking today, this hour, about aging neighborhoods and what Russ, Russ is dealing with in Glendale is going to become a more and more prominent conversation because his sewer line of cast iron at 60 years old has lived its expectant life expectancy. So here are a couple things to consider. When that line underneath your house is to the point it's no longer working sufficiently, the first thing we need to do is run a camera down there and see if it's salvageable. Let's take a look at it and see. If we don't want to do any remodeling, probably one of the best options is one of these epoxy-lined companies that can epoxy-line, they can go in there and blast the pipe out create a clean uh, diameter circle that they can 
insert an epoxy balloon that they inflate and it lines the inside of that rough, abrasive, rusted surface, and you're recreating a smooth passage with very little sacrifice on space, and you recreate a clean, trouble-free waistline route. Now, once you get to the outside of the house, you have the option. Do I continue the epoxy lining, or do I clamp a new system on it and take it to the uh, city sewer tap with new lines, you have that option. Generally, uh, working through the landscaping is less expensive than tearing up through your house. So the epoxy lining is a great option if you don't want to do a lot of saw cutting through the middle of your house to every bathroom, every soil line, and, and drive a bunch of additional remodeling expense. But here's the caveat, and there's two of them. It ain't cheap. Um, it saves you a lot. It's, it's, it's a non-invasive way to fix the problem if the pipes are in good enough shape to do it. Um, it doesn't force you into future remodeling. But here's the biggest caveat I've got to tell you. We have yet to find one of the companies in Arizona that does that service that does it at the level of customer service that earns a Rosie certification. So we have one we're suspect and we are researching right now. And I will give you their name and number offline and you can get them to the house and visit with them. And if you elect to go with them, I would like you to keep me in the loop so I can put one eye on everything they're doing. If in fact they prove to be Rosie certified customer service, will Rosie certify them? But that's a big caveat. Every company that's currently doing that system has fallen short of the customer service necessary to earn a Rosie certification. It's expensive. Then you've got the pipe pull-through method. Uh, and that can be a good option, like Romy introduced the topic. He said right. there may not be one all-inclusive correct answer. And I, the name escaped me as we were going to the news break, but they call it pipe bursting. That's it. They just, they just force pull a new pipe right through the hole that's where the old pipe was, and they destroy the old pipe as they come. It's pretty, pretty interesting. You know? It is. So I would tell you, Russ, um, that I'm going to give you this number offline, and I would call that particular company and get their proposal for the epoxy lining under the house. And then I'd have them prices an alternate from that point to the sewer tap. Then I'd also have them give you a price. Okay, once we get out from under the house, how much will it be just to replace that line as opposed to epoxy lining that line? Um, and then this company can also facilitate a, a quote for you as well on the pull-through bur pipe bursting method as well. So you, Russ, are going to become an active member of the Roselle Nows research and development team in uh, helping us figured this out, but I wanted to answer it in a way everyone dealing with, because I, I just, just this week, I got a, 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 a mail offer at my house insuring my sewer line. My, my house <laughs> is 70 years old. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit about the eight o'clock hour, but we're here talking about neighborhoods and the aging of neighborhoods in Arizona. And, uh, you know, we, 
we've talked about, uh, I mean, who, who are the earliest settlers in Arizona? Miners. Well, I mean, even earlier than that, Paleo Indians back, oh, you know, ten, twelve thousand years ago. We've they got, were inhabitants. I don't know if they were settlers. Okay, that's that's a good clarification. I mean, Cabeza de Vaca in fifteen hundred walked to Mexico City from Houston. Took him eight years, but it's a heck of a story. <laughs> and the people he found all along the way that were already inhabiting here. One. Well, wasn't that part of the eight years? Like there was a couple years a tribe kept him slaves. Yeah, he yeah. was kept slave. Yeah, yeah. At at first he was considered a healing god as he moved across Texas because he was able to have a few of the um, apparently some of the cures and ailments and whatnot from the Spanish ship that crashed in Houston. <laughs> but after they realized he really wasn't the medicine man he was claiming to be, they just slaved him from Free one labor. from one from one <laughs> tribe to the next. All the way from uh, Van Horn to Mexico City. Sounds like a had a call salesman. Yeah, that's okay. it does. It Folks, does. look that up on Google. Yeah, exactly. So we've seen a lot of um, one of the favorite. We were talking about my favorite historical architect, one of my favorite architects in Arizona, a man by the name of Don Ryden, and the fact that he's currently designing a, a, a new remodeled home for Jennifer and I. Uh, one in in in, in uh, how long have I done this show? Thirty six years. In thirty six years, one of my favorite all time series we ever did was the history of housing in Arizona with Don Ryden, which was about a six segment series that still you can hear on our podcast. But the neighborhoods of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, like Russ and Glendale is experiencing, are all getting to the point they need attention, and. Uh, a lot of a lot of, of what we talk about in our article is a lot of the neighborhoods are in fact being revitalized in many parts of the community because housing demand in Arizona is still so strong. And without going political, I just want to say there's a reason for that. Okay, uh, let's keep Arizona, Arizona. And we were talking earlier today about the 10 most researched cities uh, on Zillow. And uh, they're all under 20 degrees right now. So we have to start a campaign of why people should not move to Arizona, not to stop the in-migration, but to limit it. Uh, We all all love the state we live in right now. And uh, quite selfishly, I'm I'm not going to be one of those that throws up a fence and keeps everybody out. But uh, let's let's. I think we owe it to the people considering move here to be fair. <laughs> we have a lot of things that bite here, that stick you here. Yeah, fair. And you know what? Are you? And you know what? We do have summer. Yep. Half the year. We got that. <laughs> if we didn't have summer, we'd have 20 million people. <laughs> True story. Oh, man. All right. We've still got questions coming in the phone call. Let's see if we can take Wayne and Chandler, who's been waiting patiently. Good morning, Wayne. Thank you for taking my call, Rosie. Yeah, you bet, buddy. I recall uh, I recall in one of your shows in the past that you were talking about plumbing fixtures. We've got uh, our, our fixtures haven't been changed in about the last 15 years, so we're getting ready to update everything. I was just wondering what your recommendation was. Again, I, I recall you saying one of them had like a lifetime warranty, but I just couldn't remember which one it was. I remember the comment. It was actually Jennifer and I replacing our kitchen sink faucet, which was... 15 years old at least and my son William who's a plumber 
He said, well, Dad, I put that in for you. It's a Delta faucet. It's guaranteed for life. Just take it back to Central Arizona Supply, and they'll give you a brand new one. Uh, so that was the comment I was talking about in the show that you remember. That, that has to be about six or eight months ago. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Delta faucets. Now, know this. When it comes to faucets, every manufacturer makes a plastic version that they sell in the big box stores. And then they have the exact same model number instead of ending in a P like plastic, it ends in a B like brass. And you can pick up exactly the same manufacturer faucet, exactly the same serial number, and one box will weigh about a pound and a half and the other box will weigh about four and a half pounds. And I would tell all of you Arizona homeowners to get to a plumbing supply wholesaler like Central Arizona Supply and buy the professional brass brand, the brass manufactured Delta faucets, and you'll never be sorry. So I'm glad you called. I appreciate the opportunity to repeat that story, and uh, I hope that helps everyone out there. And here, what's the current temperature right now? 52 degrees? Sounds good. James wants to start an evap cooler at his house. Let's let's. James must be from one of these other cities, like Westchester, Pennsylvania, or something. He wants it. My he wants to feel like minus six. Good morning, James. <laughs> Hi, Rosie. How are you? It's a pleasure as always. Yeah. What do you got going on? Well, we uh, our house was built in 1998, and we replaced the original air conditioning unit in 2016. It's a split unit. Okay. Got the air conditioning unit outside and the heater uh, air handler up in the attic. Beautiful. So we had the monthly maintenance plan okay. that we purchased from the people that put it in. Okay. And every, you know, every few months they come and they check it and they do all their stuff. But recently, this past summer, they threw something new in and I wanted to get your opinion on it because I've never heard of it. Maybe I'm just behind the times. But they were offering to clean our evaporator coil air handler and you know it was going to be like 300 bucks and i'm like wow well, you guys have never mentioned that before so i wanted to see what your thoughts on that were because i know there is a coil up there but do you typically clean that thing yeah that's a great question um you've got a trusted relationship with whoever this company is they installed the unit they've been regularly servicing it the age of the equipment dictates it yeah you ought to consider a cleaning and uh, while they're doing that, you would ask them, are you also going to clean the duct work as well? That evaporative coil is like a filter of a, of a, of a sorts that uh, everything that passes through your air conditioning filter gets stuck on that coil because it's generally wet. And uh, the moisture, the condensation acts like a magnet catching everything that passes through your filter. If you use a good filter and you replace it regularly and your equipment is maintained regularly, you should only have to clean your evaporative coil about once every 10 years. And that's as often as you should ever have to clean your ductwork if the integrity of your ductwork is good. So I would seriously consider the fact that you've got a trusted relationship with these people they originally installed it. They haven't pushed this on you. Now the equipment's about seven, eight years old. I would say, yeah, it, it's, it's time to consider it. Um, but I would also ask them, look, while you're up there, um, 
go ahead and go ahead and let's get the duct work. And on this, on this, let me just say this. There are a lot of duct cleaning companies that will clean your duct, but not clean the coil. If you spend money on duct cleaning and they don't clean your evaporative coil, you have just wasted every penny you spent. Okay? Did y'all hear me? These coupon special duct cleaning systems for $79.99 are a complete waste of money. You want an air conditioning contractor to disassemble your equipment, clean the evaporative coil completely, and then clean your ducts. That's going to run you three, four, five hundred bucks, but it only needs to be done every 10 years. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. Let's make the hey, most of this we have a gentleman from Connecticut calling in. His name is Scott. Yeah. He has an opinion about these, the area based on our comments earlier. Well, I've got about three, four towns in Connecticut I want to ask him about, so let's, <laughs> let's bring him on. Scott? Hey, Rosie. How you doing? Uh, very well. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. What do you call someone from Connecticut? A Connecticut, a Connecticut, a Connecticutor? What do you? Uh, well, it's the nutmeg state, so we call them nutmeggers usually. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's much easier. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> you can only learn that at Rosie on Mass. Uh, all right, Scott. What's your comment about Connecticut? Well, it, it's funny, Rose, you were talking about that. My my grandparents built a new house in 1957, and most of those houses are cottage-type houses, three-bed, one-bath, one-car garage. And most of most of those people, you know, didn't leave until they retired and sure. moved into home. So it, it just – it's funny that, you know, that, that was – you know, I – it's old-school Catholic and Christian beliefs. That was their second house, and – that's where they lived until they, re, you know, retired and moved to Florida. Yeah, but but Scott, you can't deny if I pull up Weathersfield, Connecticut, right now on my Weather Channel, it's oh well, it's gone up to eighteen degrees right now with a feel like two. <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't live there again. Uh, it's a great place to visit and go play in the snow, but I I would never live there. I've been here thirty years. Oh, you have? Oh, okay. All right. Well, I love Con- it, I love Connecticut. I mean, I've uh, there's no better favorite place to stay. You know, in in the fall and the colors and stuff. But once the snow falls, I like to get up to Salt Lake City and Aspen and whatnot. But I, I love Connecticut. I think it's beautiful. I, but I would not live there. No, it's beautiful. And I I moved to Arizona and moved bought a couple houses and. I moved into an older Mormon neighborhood, and the same thing. Nobody leaves until they're old, 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 and retired. So, Scott, it's, it's, when you came in from Connecticut 30 years ago, give me the general neighborhood you fell in. Uh, first neighborhood I fell in was uh, Gilbert and Baseline Road right off the 60. Well, man, that was out in the country. You needed you, – yeah. you, I mean, you, 
you had you had you had the dangers of of lots of things right there on the very edge of civilization. <laughs> yeah, Morton. Uh, what was that? Norton's Corner, that yeah, old country yes, bar, was yes. actually in the country back then. That's right. That's right. Well, you and you've you've gone through a couple neighborhoods in that thirty years. Uh, three neighborhoods in thirty years. Okay. All right. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for for giving us a ring and letting us know. And 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 I I I'm, I do think we need to start a campaign uh, to not stop in migration to Arizona, but we just need to be fair to the people coming to let them know all the things that could happen to them when they get here. Maybe we could just stem the flow, just a little bit. <laughs> Scott, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. With other callers lining up right now, we'll be back in the 10 o'clock hour. And one of the things we'll be doing is taking your calls right here at Rosie on the House.